Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. Well, good to be with you this morning, virtually, and to have a chance to open the Bible with you. And uh, this week I'm going to be picking up 1 John again. Uh, this week and next week we'll finish the book off, so uh, today we'll do the rest of chapter 4 and a bit of chapter 5, and next week we'll do the end of the book. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed walking through 1 John over the last few months, uh, interspersed with other things. We'll move on to something different in October. Uh, so grab your Bible if you don't have it with you. I'll just pray for us and then we will dive into chapter 4 and uh, we'll see what we can take from 1 John today. So Father, we uh, pray that you'd help us as we look at this scripture. Help us to understand it. Help us um, to be changed by it. And we pray that our lives would become shaped by your word as we look at it together this morning. Amen. Amen. So, uh, if you turn to 1 John 4, uh, we're going to pick things up at verse 7, where Dave Hadley left off when he uh, talked on the conscience. And I'm going to read the whole text through that we're going to look at this morning, and then I'm going to offer a few thoughts. So, 1 John 4 verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And we will pause there and we'll finish 1 John next week. So hopefully by now you'll be used to John winding his three themes together of believing Jesus for who he says he is, of loving the brothers and of obeying God's commands. And uh, again in this text, John sort of ties those tighter and tighter and tighter together. And I've not got time this morning to kind of go through every verse and tease it all out. 
Uh, instead, I'm going to just pick out a few things that I think are particularly important for us to look at. Um, and this is all to do with love. We're going to talk this morning about defining love and then about giving and receiving love. So first of all then, defining love. Uh, we know, don't we, that um, we can talk about love and we sort of know what we mean. But if someone asks you to define it, that's not always very easy. And in fact, many uh, expressions of kind of human creativity through history, whether books or songs or poems or paintings, have been attempts to try and define and to uh, flesh out what it means to love. And John also spent some time doing that in this part of his letter. He's talked a lot about love and now he helps us to define what that love really is. So you may want to look with me at verse 9 and 10 of chapter 4. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So in this, John says, we know what love is. In God sending his son uh, to save us from our sins. Propitiation, if you're not familiar with that word, just means to, um, to uh, work our forgiveness out for us. To satisfy uh, the demands of justice. To pay the price for our sins. So the love of God is primarily defined by what Jesus does on the cross. And this is why contemplation of the suffering of Jesus, contemplation of the death of Jesus and of the cross is such a central part of Christian spirituality. If you've been in church for any length of time, you'll know that we sing and talk and pray and meditate on the cross a great deal. And this is why, because the definition for us of the love that God has for us and the love that we are called to show to one another. And there's a whole lifetime of exploring this. Um, you know, we see that this love takes the initiative. It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us. It's a love that loves our enemies, uh, loves those that we find repulsive. It's a love um, that cannot guarantee a return. It's a love that is sacrificial and involves suffering. You know, the primary symbol for Christian love is a cross that says something. It's a love that seeks the transformation of the other person. And it's a love that's destination is joy. And, and we know that because all of those things are encapsulated in the love of Jesus shown on the cross and much more besides. So, um, so that is the definition of love. And this, John tells us, is the sort of love that we're called to as God loved us. We ought to love one another. Which is a high bar, isn't it? Jesus' death on the cross is what it means to love. And we are called to live up to that. That is a very high bar. And uh, that's why it's a lifetime's journey of growing into the love of God. And uh, because it's a lifetime's journey, uh, there will be many times we fail to love as we should. And this will grieve us and we will be convicted about this. Uh, but we need not be depressed um, we, we know that we need to continually grow in love. But how do we grow in this love of God? And that's what I want to spend the rest of the time thinking about this morning, really, uh, before we, uh, apart from a little bit on, on fear. Because there's a close connection between being able to give love and of having received it. In fact, um, I think it is impossible to give love that we haven't received. If we are to give love, 
like the love of Jesus as John defines it. And first, we need to receive that love. And um, I think this is a spiritual, but also a psychological truth. You know, the psychotherapists, like any uh, academic field, would disagree on many things. But one thing that they're pretty much united on is that the kind of love we receive in our early years from our family and on throughout life, the kind of love we receive is the most formative thing on how able we are to love others. You know, um, we can only give really from what we receive. And um, so this is a very important thing for us to spend a bit of time thinking about. That if I'm called to love like Jesus, I'm gonna need to receive more and more and more of God's love. To, to, so to do this, to receive more of God's love is not necessarily a very straightforward thing. And uh, we're going to look a little bit, I'm going to talk a little bit about ways that we might want to explore kind of facing this sort of how do I receive more of God's love. But before we do so, I just want to touch on another issue that John raises, which is that relationship between love and fear. So if you skip forward with me to verse uh, 18 and 19... John says this, he says, we'll start at verse 17 actually, he says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So perfect love casts out fear, and we can see this kind of, Theologically, if you like, we can see this in terms of fear of the judgment of God, because if Jesus has come as a propitiation for our sins, if while we were still enemies, as Paul says, we were reconciled to God through Jesus, then if we receive that love, that love and forgiveness of Jesus, we have nothing to fear in judgment from God. Jesus has paid the price, he has saved us, he's redeemed us. So we need to have no fear of punishment. That principle, which we see kind of in its most important sense in terms of the judgment of God for sin, is true of all other fear as well. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear is to do with punishment, or with uh, another way to understand this, fear is to do with suffering, something that we may suffer. So our anxieties are all different, aren't they? You may struggle with anxiety. Your anxiety may be an anxiety about losing your job. And uh, you have a worry because you fear a consequence of that. Maybe you fear you'll lose your house or you fear you won't be able to pay the bills. Um, you know, or, or your anxiety is maybe about what people think about you. And again, that's attached to a fear. That's a fear of the way that people will treat us or the way they might speak about us, or the way they will relate to us. So all our anxieties are connected to fear. And as John writes here, the ultimate answer to our fear, the ultimate answer to our anxiety, is to receive more love. Perfect love casts out fear. And uh, Tim spoke a bit about worry last week, so... Um, you may want to kind of bear all of the things that he said in mind here. But if the ultimate answer to our fear is to receive more of God's love, and the ultimate way that we're able to give love 
is to receive more of God's love. It's really very important <laughs> that we're able to receive God's love, isn't it? And, um, you know, we often think that our biggest struggle is to give love. But as the more years go by um, and the more people I spend time with, I wonder if the biggest struggle we have is to receive love rather than to give it. You know, if you struggle with anxiety, you'll know that me saying, oh, the answer is perfect love, the answer is to receive love is not that simple because we don't always know how to receive love or where the love is on offer for us to receive. So just as we finish this morning, uh, I want to offer a few thoughts on that. Um, but before I do so, I know that in many ways I've kind of opened a can of worms here without enough time to really um, serve you well in talking about it. In, in some ways I've kind of opened things up and now I'm going to abandon you. So aware of that, I just want to make a few invitations. Uh, first of all, if this issue of receiving love, giving love and receiving love and fear touches you personally, you know, if you uh, felt emotional or felt the Holy Spirit at all, any of the things I've said, um, then I'd love to just talk to you about that if you want to. Um, my email address is timmurray at amblecoatchristiancentre.org. UK. And if you want to get in touch, uh, we can find a time to speak um, and, and, and I'd love to do that. Um, also, uh, in the new year, uh, our church family teaching, I'm going to deliver some church family teaching on how we really change, which will touch a lot more on these areas of giving and receiving love um, and, on, uh, and on some of the stuff that I've touched on today. So, um, do look out for that and maybe engage with that if this is something that you, that's important for you. And finally, even later in the new year, if COVID allows, then we would like to run our course on emotionally healthy spirituality that we would have run this year, uh, but for lockdown, uh, we'd like to do that next year. And that again touches on a lot of these issues. So if you want to be kept in the loop with that, then get in touch with me again and I'll, I'll make sure you're sort of first on the invite list uh, to book your table when we're able to put that course on. All that being said, here is just a few concluding thoughts on giving and receiving love. So if perfect love drives out fear, if receiving God's love allows us to give love, if we're only able to love in proportion to what we've received, then here's three conclusions to think about. First of all, there's nothing more important in our relationships with one another than to build virtuous circles of love. That in loving you, I enable you to better love me. And in loving me, you enable me to better love you. So let's do that, shall we? The second thing to say is, um, because all the human love we receive is broken, the only source of ultimate perfect love is God himself. And this is also our hope that even if we have not been loved well in life, uh, that there is one who can love us perfectly well and his love is available to us. And we may want to explore how we grow in our Christian spirituality in receiving the love of God, um, being more available to receive God's love in the time that we have with him. And this is something that um, doesn't always happen automatically. So again, if, if you're interested in that, if you wanna get in touch, I'd be happy to try and put you in touch with a mentor who can um, help you in this area, someone who is on that journey of receiving God's love in their own spirituality and can maybe help you to grow in that. And finally, 
the third thing that we, we might want to take away from this is to have compassion on one another. You know, when somebody seems unloving or seems uh, repulsive even, if they sort of repel us away from them, or we maybe tend to judge them for their lack of love for others, then, um, you know, so much of the time, if this is true, if we can only give out of what we've received, then so much of the time these uh, are the wounds of a lack of love. And can we, by God's grace, in the power of the love that we receive from him, have compassion, and in those moments choose to pour some more love into that person's life? who has perhaps been undernourished in love, uh, in the way that God loves us, as we talked about right at the start. So three things to think about and a few invitations for exploring more. There's a lot in this this morning, so let me just pray that God settles uh, what he wants to speak to us about in our hearts. So Father, there's a lot of ground we've covered. We've read a lot of the Bible there, and uh, I'm aware that this opens up a load of... Um, a load of stuff around giving and receiving love. And I just pray that you take this paltry offering of 20 minutes and um, that those things that need to touch each of our hearts individually, you would do that by your Holy Spirit. And that you'd also give us courage to maybe take uh, another step if we need to um, in learning to grow in your love so that we can give as we have received from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Ambercote Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecotechristiancentre.org.uk